Hi, you're listening to Secrets for an Inspirational Life with me, your host, Mimi Novik. I'm so happy and thrilled to have you here with me. I have created this series for all of us so we can change our world together and live a more holistic and balanced life. Together, we will share lots of inspiring stories from all walks of life, speak with leading experts, enjoy healthy living ideas, explore music and subjects that inspire each other to always have hope. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate all of you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Secrets for an Inspirational Life. How are you all today? I hope that all is well. I hope that there are beautiful moments, lovely moments, and that life is giving you the opportunity to do all that your heart desires. Now, something I was contemplating today is someone said to me about belonging. And it was actually a friend of mine who's going to leave the UK and emigrate. And she said to me, how do we know where do we belong? Because that is one of the most important things I think in life is that we have this sense of belonging, whether that be to a place. Sometimes we belong to a family sometimes not, to a group of people. But intrinsically, there's something within all of us that has this yearning to feel part of something bigger. And yet, ultimately, is it really that we don't belong anywhere, but we belong everywhere? And sometimes we can feel lonely and ostracized in a place. And I think that's the feeling that we have to follow, that if we do not feel at peace somewhere or at peace with oneself or in a situation, we should really leave. I really believe that because if we stay in a place where we are just tolerated and not celebrated as souls, it can be to the detriment of our life. So it is actually a case, I think, of belonging to oneself, to have that balance within oneself that it doesn't really matter where we go, what we do. The important thing is that we feel a sense of belonging to our own mind, to our own body, our soul, our spirit. And with that complete circle, we can go wherever we want and find peace. Now, I am absolutely delighted to welcome my guest today, who is the very charming and interesting Imran Ahmed. Imran is the founder of Success Psychology and is an expert in personal development and also being a mentor. Imran has delivered transformational training for almost two decades all over the world. His seminars and one-on-one interventions 
encourage people to shift their focus, to rediscover their strengths and capabilities, and also to live a meaningful life that really matters. Today, Imran is a huge success, but it wasn't always this way. He was dealt a difficult destiny in the early stages of his life. Imran grew up in uncertainty, being abandoned at the age of three. His childhood was thus spent in the care system and was a long-term victim of racial violence. He became a familiar face in police cells, having been arrested multiple times for stealing and hustling to survive and provide for his siblings. At the age of 13, he realised that something had to change. Determined to find a way for a better life, Imran channeled himself through weightlifting and boxing. He found that reading inspirational stories about inspirational people gave him hope and ultimately faith in humanity again. He began to realise that his life circumstances did not define him. And he has worked in many, many different roles, from acting to Bollywood to dancing, all sorts of things which he will share with us tonight. And today he shares his absolutely fascinating life, I have to say. Welcome, dear Imran. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for that beautiful introduction, Mimi. I love Aww, that. You're I love very how you welcome. Oh, there's so much more. I have to say to the listeners, Imran's life is like a novel. And when I was deciding what to use and what not to use, I wanted to use all of it. But, you know, you could never use all of it. But you have led such an interesting life, Imran. And um, I am delighted, truly, to have you on the show today. Ah, oh, that's beautiful. It's a, it's a privilege and an honour to be speaking with you, Mimi, and to be on this uh, amazing, amazing catalogue of inspiration, wisdom, and just leadership that you've created. So thank you. Oh, you're very welcome. And how are you today, Imran? I'm great, thank you. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm do. I've been doing a, a number of many things, and um, and today has been a day where I can finally just switch off and see myself relax through the weekend and do what needs to be done for myself. Oh, <laughs> that's a nice place to be. And sometimes in all the hustle and bustle, and you know, you need those moments of tranquility where you just have to wind down because people always think. Um, it's like being busy all the time. It's a badge to where I'm busy and I'm busy being busy. And, you know, but actually that's not the point of life because if we're constantly running, 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 we have no time to look at this beautiful world around us. I love that. I love that. As this, uh, a quote comes to mind, which is uh, get busy living or get busy dying. Choice is yes. yours. Yeah, 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 it's true. And you do some amazing quotes, I have to say. Oh, thank you. Thank yeah. You. I learned from <laughs> the best, not... Mimi. Well, you know, I have to, um, I'm still waiting um, for my wall art from you. Mm. It will, it's on its way, trust me. <laughs> ah, well, it's you know, it. you have to do me a signed copy. 
Oh, I will uh, absolutely 100. <laughs> I'll come and hand deliver it so we can. Yes, move. you must. You must indeed. And I have to have that seal and you know wrapped in all that paper, the tissue paper. You know, uh, <laughs> I think that would be a lovely effect. I can't wait. Wonderful, oh, wonderful. Wow. Now, Imran, where do we begin with this amazing story of yours? Where did all this start? Because as you say yourself, it was very difficult for you at the beginning of your life. And yet you have come such a long way and you are a huge success now. Tell us a little bit. Let's go back. Tell us a little bit about how it all began. Okay. Well, the journey actually was born from pain. The journey began from a very, very young age of mine at three. That's when I recall things taking place in my life. And one of the earliest memories that I have, and I've worked on this for so many years to try and find a memory earlier than this, but I can't. And one of the earliest memories I have is where I was outside in High Wycombe at this time uh, with my mum and my older brother, who's two years older than me. And we lived in a place called Lane End. And I remember we used to play on the verge outside of the front door and play with the other children. It would be sunny. I remember this particular day. It was nice and sunny. Uh, kids were running around. They were playing on their little bikes. And it was just a whole load of fun. I, I don't know what day it was, but I just remember being free and feeling free as a kid. And then I remember as, at one stage laying down on the, on the grass and just looking up. Into the, into the sky and just be mesmerized by what I can see when you look up at the sky. Even now, I do still get mesmerized on a warm, sunny day. And this day, I remember uh, looking up at the sun and then suddenly someone coming over and covering the sun. And there was this figure that stood there, this tall person. Obviously, I was very small at this point, so anyone would have been taller than me, but someone really tall and someone with big bushy hair and I remember looking up and thinking who is this and this lady then bent down and I found out her name was Barbara and she said to me she said hey little one um, we need to get a few of your things because you and your brother are now coming with us because your mum can no longer look after you and I just I didn't know what that meant at this point I just a part of me just was confused. I didn't know what that meant. And I remember getting a few of my items and picking some things up and then going in the back of this car. And I remember it then over, over time, I think it took a couple of hours trying to pack our things. And then we got in this car and we're driving and now it's a little bit dark and now it's beginning to rain. And my earliest memory shows me, uh, tells me that do you, remember, do you know at times when the rain falls on your window and as a child, you try and follow the raindrops? Yes. I remember yeah. that. Yeah, I remember that happening. I mean, just following the raindrops because I wasn't in the car that often. And then we end up at this house and that's when this lady, Barbara, um, takes us inside, sits us down with uh, our new family and tells us that you're, you have a new family now and this is going to be your new family. I didn't know what that meant, but I felt something. I felt something inside of me just change. That, um, that, that boy that was free, 
that boy that was happy, that boy that was um, just had an energy about him, just instantly went insular and went inside and just didn't know what to expect, was confused, didn't know who to ask, didn't know who to talk to. And the family that they put us with didn't really speak English a lot. So I didn't know how to converse or how to ask questions or get that level of some level of security or certainty. I didn't know. I was too young, of course, but I just didn't get any sense of certainty or security after we ended up there. And for the next few years after this, the next few years, it was literally abandonment, emptiness, pain, um, confusion, adversity after adversity, just not just living in really poor conditions and living, just living, just existing, just, just surviving somehow. And that's when I, I really began to feel that as I got older, I was different. I was different to other children. I was different. They had a mom, they had a dad. I didn't know who my dad was at the stage. I now I don't know who my mom is, but they have a mom and they have a dad and they have parents evenings. They have holidays. They have weekends away. They have all of this. And I knew that that was different for me. My life was different. I don't know why, but I kept asking that question inside my head. Why me? Why me? Why did this have to happen to me? Why am I different? Why am I not like all the other children? in my class or the people that I know. And growing up in a community, especially a Pakistani community in High Wycombe, there's quite a, quite a big Pakistani community, community there. I also began to understand that I was quite inferior compared to the rest of them because the moment people recognize, realize that you don't have a mum or a dad is the moment that they seem to pick on you and they seem it's a worthy cause to begin to pick on you on things. So soon enough, I realized that I was bigger than everyone else. So the biggest kid in the class gets into fights all the time. So from the lack of emotion, the lack of security, the lack of significance, the lack of love, I realized that my way of gaining significance is through fighting. My, gain of, my way of gaining significance is by being the biggest in the class. My way of really being secure is by knowing and dominating other people uh, because that's all I knew at that point. Now, I was always inside a very, very, I had kindness inside of me. I remember that from a very early age. I was always kind. I, always, I was always, always asking questions. I was always trying to figure out how to help in some way, shape, or form. There's a question that used to be a primary question, I call it, that would be in the forefront of my mind is, what can I do to help? What can I do to help? What can I do to help? And I would feel people's pain very easily. Like we had these kids in our class that were in the support they were essentially in the support class they were essentially because we have of course you have grades in classes they were in the class that were classed as special needs mm. and i used to watch the clothes they wear and the way they were treated and i used to feel it i used to feel it inside of me other kids would bully them and 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 say things to them and there's me the one that would sort of protect them in a way because i felt that this isn't right this is something that's going on here isn't right. The teachers aren't doing anything. Someone's got to step up. So my early years of being in first school in High Wycombe, my early years uh, determined a lot. They got me to think a lot. They got me to, to wake up to a lot that was going on around me. And they got me to question a lot. So that was my early, early years of my life that uh, I had gone through from 
really the age of three till about the age of seven or eight. And it was, it was a myriad of, of very, of so many different things. But the biggest thing I learned at that point is that I'm on my own. I'm on my own. I'll find my own way. I do my own thing. I have to find a way to find myself. And I don't know what I meant by that, but I knew something. I knew there was something inside of me that kept saying, this isn't, this is, this isn't the end. This is just the beginning. This is your, your current situation is not your final destination, right? That mm-hmm. type of thing was going on inside of me at that point. So I knew there's going to be something better. I just didn't know what. And were you together with your brother throughout the whole time, or were you, or had you been split up at any no, point? No, I was, I was with him, but I was with my brother. He's two years older than me, but um, I don't know what he saw that I didn't see. But he was fairly traumatized through his life, and mm. he was, he became a shell of himself. Where I sort of expressed myself a little bit more. Yeah, and what it. happened from the age of seven onwards? So then our, uh, about, about the age of eight, my, my, my mom and my stepdad now come into my life mm-hmm. and, and uh, they now bring my stepbrother with them. Uh, and he's, he's six years younger than me. And she's been married by this stage three times. And they come and come and get access to us over certain weekends. And then they take us with them. Now, now it was pretty exciting being with them because I didn't know the life that they led. I got to find out the life that they led, but it was pretty exciting. I'll tell you why. Mm. Because they were into, they were committing fraud at this stage, a whole load of fraud. And this was credit card fraud. And back in those days, it was easy to get away with credit card fraud, apparently, as I obviously witnessed. So we used to travel to different, different towns, Bournemouth, Portsmouth. You know, we were in Southampton at this point, um, Buckinghamshire, Bedfordshire, um, Berkshire, London. Uh, we used to travel a lot and they used to take us with them and we used to sit in the car a lot of the time. But sometimes I'd go in shops and I'd realize what's going on. But there would be a whole load of, uh, a whole load of fraud taking place, a whole load of criminal activity because they didn't know any better. They didn't know anything different. And I could see that at this point. And as time went on, this fraud kept happening. And then uh, both of them, they get arrested and now they're in prison. So my, my father, my stepdad first goes into prison for six months and then my mum goes into prison after that whilst each of them are looking after my stepbrother. Now, after they both came out, that's when things sort of changed because they knew that the criminal activity would end and they would have to live a normal life. So, so uh, you know, every dog has its day, right? And, mm-hmm. and then yeah. the day sort of came to an end. It was like, oh no, no more of this. We can't do this. But growing up, I've got to say this, Mimi, I saw my, I also saw my mum with um, a number of different men. And even though she was married to my dad, my stepdad, mm. she was also with other people. And I could see that and I could notice that and I could feel that. And it wasn't right. The feeling just would eat me up at times. And she obviously wasn't stable. She obviously had things going on in her life. She obviously, you know, if I look back, you know, she got married at 14. She had my brother when she was 15. So what do I expect, right? And as, as time went on, uh, they came out of prison. Things changed. Uh, things changed. We were living in St. Mary's, Southampton, which is one of the 
one of the worst council estates I believe in the UK. <laughs> it was it was literally me going from a, a a pretty good middle school to a a really violent middle school, a really bad middle school, and. I remember turning up and again, everyone wants to fight me because I'm the biggest in the class, that sort of thing. But I also, also remember going to that school and getting into fights all the time. And also remember how much anxiety and depression and pressure there was to perform. So going back a little bit, as our parents uh, took us away from High Wycombe, we end up in Southampton and the social workers are now happy that they are stable and they give us to our parents. Now we're living in a two-bedroom apartment in in a two-bedroom tower block. It uh, looks like something out of Only Fools and Horses, right? Yeah, <laughs> Mandela Texas. House. Yeah, right. Yeah, looks mm-hmm. like that. And um, and it and it and it was it was just shocking. I just couldn't couldn't understand how people lived that way. But more importantly, I got to see, I got to experience, you know, how people lived. You're leaving their doors open, and you just see, you smell. It was the smells that did more of anything that I remember a lot the smells of different people's apartments, seeing them living in squalor, seeing them living in bad situations and places. And that affected me quite a bit. Mm. So as time moves on a little bit more, my mom becomes pregnant and she has my younger sister. Now, my younger sister is now about six months old now. And it was great bringing my younger sister in, into, this, into this world and, and actually looking after her as well. But what happened is when she was about six months old, I remember, I remember... Um, this one situation where I go to go to the room because I can hear her crying. I didn't realize that she was still there and then looked around and realized there's no one in the house. There's no one in the flat. There's no one there. And I was 10 years old myself here. And I'm questioning what's going on. Where is everyone? And now my parents are away for days at a time. And then as the information reveals itself is now they're addicted to crack cocaine. And they're not just addicted in a small way. They're addicted in a huge way. They've, they've, you know, drug dealers coming into the house, into the, into the small flat. Um, drug dealers are coming in, picking up things, picking up sofas, picking up everything that they can of value to serve their addiction. And I'm watching this and thinking, what the hell is happening? And there's no one I could reach out to. My older brother, like I said, wasn't really with it a lot of the time. And there's no one I could reach out to. And I, and I just remember just looking at this little girl and saying, hey, listen, I'm going to be here to protect you, right? I'm going to be here for you. And there's, you know, you go into the, um, in the fridge, there's no food. You, you, you look at, you know, baby food. There's no baby food. There's no one to ask. There's no one to turn around to and, and ask. And I remember going to the uncle in the, in the local shop and saying, listen, uncle, can I just get some milk? Like, put it on the tab. Back then you could. And he said, he said, no, no, you can't. I'm, I can't do this. You've got enough of a tab at your place and I can't give you any more. And as that happened, and as I looked around, I realized I've got no electricity. I've got no food. I've got nothing to feed this little girl. And my journey of stealing began there because I was left with no other choice. There was no one else around to help. And I started initially thieving food. Uh, so it was milk, it was food items, just so me, my younger brother, uh, my older brother, and my younger sister could eat. And then it went on to food, to drinks, to, um, to clothing, to things that she needed. 
And as all this time's going on, I'm still, I'm not at school whilst I'm looking after her. So I'm not at school at all. And I, I just feel that I'm, what is this mess? I have no idea what this mess is. I have no clue how to, how to process it. I just think, just do what's right. And something inside of me just said, just do what's right. Just do what's right. Now, at any point here, we could have called the social services and they would have taken us back. But we decided not to. Because I couldn't just leave my younger sister and my younger brother in that mess. That would have been putting them in the same situation that we were in. And that wasn't right. So I gave up school. Uh, I gave up middle school. I didn't go to middle school. And I started thieving. And then from thieving... Uh, small things, you have to start thieving larger items. Then at times you started thieving. And then I also remember this, our parents came in and out, but they would take us with them to thieve so that they could go and take those very things and sell them to go and feed their habit. Right? So it takes another, takes another level after that. But the most, the most uh, telling thing, I think, throughout that journey is that from thieving, it became sort of on a wide scale, thieving, shoplifting, uh, clothes, items, shoes. Um, then it moved on to sort of things like videos and CDs and VHS players and televisions. You know, uh, you ever seen someone walk out of a shop with a TV they ain't paid for? I've done that. You've done <laughs> think, that. I've done that. I've been there. And, and I was a kid, so people wouldn't expect you to do that, right? Mm. So I got away with a lot. I got away with a hell of a lot. And, and after a while, I, I just realized that, you know, this is just something that, that there's got to be a better way than doing all of this. So we moved on as time went on, I was still looking after, still taking, we were still taking care of her. And then I, I, we moved on to car stereos and that was an easier way to thieve, smash car windows, go in, grab the stereo, grab the cage, uh, do what needs to be done, get the hell out of there, sell that to a local uh, local shop for like 50 pounds that's easier than going stealing a load of items so mm-hmm. from car stereos over a number of years and it went to burglaries then there was some sort of some robberies as well and and i got arrested nearly probably about 40 odd times in my life and i got arrested after being arrested after being arrested and i got a criminal record as a juvenile which was huge i did a crb check and uh, this was a few years ago and the stuff that comes back is just i mean it surprises me but hey that was that was my uh, younger years. Now, now whilst all this is happening at the same time, uh, you got to remember, Mimi, I was supposed to be in secondary school. Mm. And now what's happening is I'm in year eight of secondary school. I've missed middle school now, or the end of middle school. Now I'm in year eight of secondary school. And being the only colored kid in the school, uh, I had to deal with a whole load of racism that I just did not know that existed. It just blew my mind. I just could not imagine that they, you would be judged by the pigmentation of your skin. And that, that frustrated the life out of me. That just took it to another level because my sanctuary was supposed to be school. My sanctuary from the mess that I left behind me was supposed to be school. And I didn't have that. And school gave me, gave me adversity after adversity, problem after problem. And no teacher did, didn't, not many teachers wanted to do anything because the kids were in year 11 and I'm in year eight. But the difference was this, Mimi. I was the only one out of maybe, maybe five Asian kids as a whole in the entire school. I was the only one that actually stood up and said, hey, here we go. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I wanted to fight. 
I wanted to fight. I just thought this is this. There's no way you're going to treat me like this from based on the pigmentation of my skin. There is no way. So every day I'd go in, I'd be I'd be ridiculed. I'd be put down. I'd be minimized. I'd be told I'm a Paki and this is the color of my skin and this is where I'm from. So your value, your significance reduces right there. And I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. And it shocked, you know, it shocked me to the core because that's not any kid shouldn't have to be put up with that. Not for the entire time when they're trying to evade uncertainty to go to a place of certainty and they go to a place of certainty and realize there's more uncertainty here than it is in the other place. I'd rather be there. So I remember taking days off school. I remember not turning up because I didn't want to. I obviously, I didn't have a lot of money sometimes to turn up as well because we'd have to get a bus to the opposite side of the bridge and that would cost. And plus, uh, plus your lunch money and other things. And I remember my my little sister now at this stage. She's been the social services are aware, and she's been taken in by social services. Her, and my younger brother, and they've now in the same situation. They've become aware, and now they're in the same situation we were in. So I thought my freedom would come, but it didn't. It didn't come. I was dealing with the fact that the kids were gone; they were given away. At the same time, dealing with the fact that I'm supposed to be someone different because of the color of my skin. Every day I got into fights, nearly every day that I was there, I got into fights. They would, they would flush. I remember this and I remember the names, Mark Fraser, Daniel Turner and Gary Mason. And these guys would just torment me daily because it was fun because they found it fun. And I would give back. I wouldn't hold back. I would give back because you know what, Mimi, I had nothing to live for and everything to die for. That was the truth. I had I had everything to die for, and if if this was a was a cause worth dying for, then so be it, because this was a worthy cause. I finally found a great opponent. I finally found something bigger than me that was worth fighting for, and for me, there was something inside of me to saying, "No, this is this goes against whatever my values are." I didn't even know what values were back then, but I, this goes against everything I stand for. So I got into fights. And on the back of those fights, I got into more fights and more fights and more fights. And as things went on, you know, we, we ended up in a fight after fight, got arrested so many times, was in the police station again so many times. And then we were on the, we were on the front newspaper of uh, the Southampton newspapers based on what happened on the last day of school. And I had no choice but to fight or do my best to get other people involved and fight uh, and, and teach these kids a lesson. That was my story because they caused me so much pain. They took away my years of school because at this point now I've been expelled. So I have, I, I only had year eight in secondary school. That was it. I had no other secondary school. That was year eight of secondary school. And that was, that was torment in that secondary school. That was pain. And, and it was easier to exclude one Asian kid than it was to exclude 40 or 50 uh, English kids. So that's exactly what happened. And on the back of that, I said, Hey, well, if this is the case now, if this is my life, then so be it. But you know what? It got me into boxing. It got me into training. It got me into a worthy cause. I finally found a great opponent. I said, no way am I going to back down from this. I'm going to fight every single one of them if I have to. And I found a way through boxing, through training, through, through understanding myself more, through reading stories on Martin Luther King Jr. and the battles he had to face. Once I read those stories... On Martin Luther King, John Lewis, Muhammad Ali, Malcolm X. Once I read all their stories, I say, hey, this ain't adversity what I'm going through. This is just a process. This is just part of the journey. If they went through what they've been through 
and they came out at the other end and they could go and serve and tell a story and leave that legacy behind for other people, then so can I. And I finally found that cause and that led me to learning about these great, great role models, these inspirational human beings, these phenomenal, phenomenal characters that leaders that were real leaders that empowered people didn't just use power for themselves. So on the back of all of that, that's when really my journey, I'm about sort of 14, 15 at this stage and I'm working, I'm doing laboring jobs, I'm cleaning toilets, I'm doing anything that comes my way just to learn how to, how to, just to earn money and get away from the crime as much as I could. There was still some crime taking place, but I can get, I was doing my best to get away from it. And my, literally at the age of 14, I remember lying about my age. Again, I was bigger than everyone else. So I lied about my age and I started doing security work as in a doorman for nightclubs. So I'm 14 and I'm supposed to be 18 and I'm doing door work or for nightclubs. And uh, I put my skills to use, shall I say, you know, after learning jujitsu, yes. boxing, I thought I'll put my skills to use. Why not me? Absolutely. That, that really was, that really was the journey that kickstarted everything in terms of personal development and understanding myself and really who I am at the core. That's how it started. And that, that taught me a hell of a lot. What a journey, really. Mm. And I'm astounded and really in awe that you have gone through all of that and managed to live to tell the tale, as they say. Mm. But not only that, Imran, is that you here you are helping other people now after going through the trauma of a dreadful beginning to life. And I know when people say, well, when you talk to people, I know when I talk to people about this whole aspect of bullying as well. And I remember my bullies at school as well. I can, I can name them to you now. I won't, but I remember them. Mm. And um, there's something about this survival um instinct in all of us what is it that makes for example yourself be able to survive such adversity and yet other people with much less adversity can't survive what do you think that is is that something to do with the strength of their inner being what it is it their destiny what is that that you know makes you different from the rest that you are able to survive these huge storms of life and still keep going that's a beautiful question Mimi that's a, a really deep question but a beautiful one um, you know what? There's a there's a there's a there's a quote there's a quote that comes to mind, which is um, some of the greatest battles will be fought within the silent chambers of your own soul. And oh, I love that. It's so true, though. It was yeah. so true. I had to go inside of me. I had to question. I had to really, really compartmentalize my feelings, but also understand that 
you know, there is there is this thing called awareness and an internal motivation. I could see that there was an internal motivation inside of me. There was something there. There was something more than my circumstance. There was something more than my situation. There was something way more than my story. There was something way more than schooling, than anything that surrounded me. And I could always find a way to see beyond my circumstances, not at them. And I could always see through them. Any storm that came in my way, I would find a way to see through that storm, not be, not be minimized by that storm or taken away by it. And that came from this deep faith, this deep faith in myself, this deep faith that everything will be okay. In the end, everything will be okay. And if it's not okay, it's not the end. Mm-hmm. And I say that because through the test that I had been through, so all the experiences, you can imagine, I mean, I was a young kid on the streets when people were in, I was supposed to be in school, but I was on the streets hustling. Mm. And, and, and you meet some characters, you can imagine. I don't have to be home yeah. at a particular time. I'm, you know, eight or nine or 10 years old. I don't have to be home at a particular time. I can be out as late as I want. I can do what I want, when I want, how I want. And you're going to come across characters. You're going to come across people. You're going to come across people that are going to try and take advantage of you. You're going to come across people that would try and make the most out of a situation so that they can influence you in the wrong way. And I learned early on that I have something inside of me that's going to guide me towards the right way. And when I say that, I'm talking about really a vision that's better than where I currently am. And I could always see myself living in a different place. I could always see myself living beyond Southampton and the circumstances I'd been in or given. I could always see things in 10 years time, in five years time, in the future. I would always map things out, but I always had this this passion for people. I don't know why. I don't know where it came from. I I have no idea, but there was this passion for people that would be inside of me. This was, you know, like I said to you earlier, caring, not being empathetic. I would always care for others. I would always think about others and think about how they're processing this. And sometimes I would, I would, I would laugh internally, but also feel their pain when people would come with problems. So I started coaching at a very early age, Mimi. I haven't told you that. I started coaching at probably about the age of nine or ten. And when yeah, I say I coach, you. <laughs> like, yeah. like coaching other kids, saying, listen. Mm-hmm. Fine, don't worry about it. It's, it was going to be okay, right? Because I'd gone through test after test after test, and it proved it is always okay in the end. It always works out. I, and I, I didn't, I didn't know where this came from, this information, because I hadn't really found any uh, anything to help me or any guide. There was no mentor. There was no uncle. There was no friend. There was no mentor that was older than me. So I used to see kids struggle uh, themselves on the smallest of things. And I'd be like, hey, that's so tiny. What are, you, what are you struggling about? Someone called them some name in school and they'll be crying. I'd be like, listen, man, you come into my life. You see what, what real pain and adversity really is, right? I'm like, mm. I'm like, yeah. come, come and welcome to my world for a little bit. So, so when I go through what it really takes and how to be resilient, it's not just the experiences I've had, but it's also seeing life from a different perspective, seeing life beyond your current set of circumstances, seeing life beyond the pain, seeing life beyond what, how much life has really rained on you and understanding that you are bigger than any of those things through some of the experiences that you had. And we often forget, even as kids, we forget how strong we are as kids. We forget some of the challenges we've had as kids because we ask a lot of questions as kids. 
And we, we want the answers, but we somehow fight through them. So for me, it was an internal calling, but also a vision much greater than what, was, what I was surrounded with. And that's what really helped me, creating a vision, knowing what I really want in my life rather than what I'm told to become and what mm. I've told to, to be, who I'm told to be. Mm. That's what helped me. But there is something. I think when you say, Imran, about this faith in yourself, mm. I think this is the key, mm. that you have to have this faith. And that is not easy. And I am actually now convinced that it's something of a grace mm. from above mm. that it doesn't matter. And people would say, you're mad. What are you talking about? He's gone through so much, you know, um, how can that be a grace? But you see, that's how leaders are born. This is how leaders are born. They have to have had the experience of everything in life you can't lead someone somewhere unless you have been you know we spoke about this earlier mm. unless you've been through that fire unless you've been on that mountain Beautiful. unless you've been through that torment unless you've walked that path yeah you can never lead anyone through that it's impossible mm. but what is an extraordinary thing about your life is that somewhere deep inside of you it didn't matter what was happening of course it affected you in circumstances as a child as a human being and i'm sure this is something you will carry till the end of your life but there is something that gives people that soul of a leader they are born like that i think you can try to be a leader but unless you're born to be a leader, I really, truly believe this, you can't ever become one. It's impossible. It's something that each of us have been gifted. And I think you were aware of your gift, of this compassion. I think this kindness and this compassion that you have saved your life. Mm. Mm. That's beautiful. Yeah. I mean... I think I think you uh, got to the core of it, hundred uh, percent, and you hit the nail on the head right there. It's the, it's that compassion, but but also that sort of intuitive feeling, where you can sense energy from other people, and also mm. knowing that there's an energy inside of you, being self-aware enough to know that there's an energy inside of you, which is saying you are bigger than anything outside of you, mm. and that's faith. Mm. And that's faith. And that's something that intrinsically you're linked to something bigger than you. That's spirit. That's soul. Yeah. That's like knowing that you are connected to a higher being, mm. a higher something. I mean, I'm not religious, but knowing that you're, you're spiritually connected to a higher being. And as I go through life, as I go through life, even now, the teachings that I talk, talk to people about, I say, hey, hey, listen, we, 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 are, we think that we are human beings having a spiritual experience. No. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. That's what we are. And we believe in the finity of humanity, but the infinity that we've got inside of us is way greater than that. Way greater. And I think I found a sense of that at a very young age. Some part yeah. of it felt me, felt, I felt some part of it. And I always felt this connection. It's weird. I've never, 
I've never been religious at times, maybe, but I've also, I've always felt this connection to something greater than me, to something bigger than me, to something guiding me throughout my life. I've been through, and I've, and, I, and you said it earlier, I should, I shouldn't really, to be honest, I'm a bit of an anomaly. I shouldn't really be alive talking to you right now because some of those things, they would have, they would have beat down the best of us. And I found something led me through it and it wasn't me. I didn't have the capability or capacity to do that. I didn't have the strength to do that. But something inside of me told me this is not it. Something inside of me told me that this pain has a purpose. There's a reason for this. Keep going, whatever it is, just keep going. And I don't know what that is. Obviously, I was too young to, to sort of define all of that. But I could feel it. Because how did I get through those things? And I look back, I've done a lot of therapy and I've looked back and said, how did I manage to get through that madness? And I managed it. I found a way. And that way that I found was based on my heart, my soul, my spirit being bigger than anything beyond me at that moment in time. Anything. That's incredible, actually. It's such a beautiful thing to be aware of. Imran, is the magnificence of one's soul. And I think even if we catch a glimpse of it in this lifetime, we are highly privileged. Um, But it's true because when you think about it, I was talking to someone the other day and they said to me, well, I used to believe and now I don't believe. And I said, well, how is your life now that you don't believe in anything? And he said, pretty crap. Um, and, you know, everyone has their choice to believe, what to believe, what not to believe. But I think when you don't believe in the power of your own soul, you can't really believe in anything. It's impossible. It's, uh, it's interesting when you were talking about fraud, but in a way it's, being fraudulent to your own self Mm. and ultimately we have to live with ourselves um so if you were now not doing what you were doing it would be a huge pity and i don't think that you can stop where you are now you are on this incredible journey that even greater things will happen because it has to be because you were created for bigger things. Mm. Mm. I mean, that's beautifully said, Mimi, and, and, you're, and, you're, and you're bang on. I mean, you could not go through that and then live a meaningless life. Mm. And that's why I say to myself, I say, I say this all the time. I still say it today. I said I would rather die a meaningful death than to live a meaningless life. Yeah. What I mean by that is I would rather, I would rather have meaning than anything in this life because life without meaning is failure. You know, you can be successful as you want, but if there's no meaning, if there's no fulfillment, it's ultimate Mm. failure. Mm. Mm. And for me, meaning has meant everything. Meaning means everything. What, what the meaning of life really is. And also what I can, how I can, how I can create a more meaningful life for myself and the people around me. And that's why that yeah. whole element of meaning has driven me from a, a young age till, till now. And that's why I still do what I do for people around me, because I, I feel that 
there is meaning in it because I see so many, as you do, Mimi, see so many people living meaning, meaninglessly. And when I say meaningless, I mean, they find joy in particular things, but the primary emotions that, that they function by are low vibrational states, low vibrational emotions, emotions that affect them in very, very bad and ways where they are attached to consequences and costs. When I'm talking about meaning, I mean, psychologically, we have 27 emotions and out of those 27, we probably use about three or four day to day. And most of them are, are, are not great emotions. Most of them are the worst of the worst sometimes. And it's great if they're done temporarily, but when they're done consistently, that's when it causes a problem and creates a pattern. So that meaning for me has always been something so important from a, a young age that can I get, is this meaningful? Can I create meaning? How do I create meaning for other people? How can I help them? How can I see them in their situation and say, hey, listen, I've been there. I've done that. I've wore the T-shirt. And hey, here's some tools to help you out to get you along the way. And, and once you're done, go and help someone else. You know, pay it forward. We'll pass this information down. Right? Yeah, as I'm absolutely. And as I'm listening to you now, Imran, I'm thinking this is what's coming to me now as you're talking about your life and all of this meaningful um, purpose that each one of us has. And yet it's so difficult to discover sometimes for a lot of people, what is the meaning of my life? What is the purpose of my life? But when I look upon your life, I think to myself now, and you will understand this, I'm sure, somehow, in a way, your personality, your destiny of who you were to become, your spirit was maybe far too great for your parents, the people around to carry that. And that's why somehow although traumatic, and only you know how it was to live your life, and I don't want to demean that in any way, but in a way, it gave you that distance to really, yes, you had to do what you had to do to survive, but somehow it allowed your soul to be free. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does, absolutely. Absolutely makes sense because if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't have known uh, what freedom really means. Yeah. Because one of my highest values today is freedom. And, mm. and th there's a reason why it's freedom. And no one's ever going to take my freedom away from me. You can, you can be my wife. You can be my family. You can be my friend. You can be anyone mm. around me. But you are not taking the one thing that I have influence over. And that's my freedom. And if I live this life and I don't have freedom, then I'd rather not live this life. So... That's yeah. important to me. Yeah. And it's something more than when people say, well, I want to be free. I want to do what I want to do and go where I want to go. Mm. But that's not freedom. No. no. Because that's always an underlying um, influence, I think, for a lot of people. Um, we have to be careful. Each of us have to be careful that we're not swayed by the majority um, and told, well, this is freedom. What you're talking about, Imran, um, is a different type of freedom. It is um, the true sense of being a soul that has the capacity, the, um, I suppose, the power to be allowed to be 
who he was created to be. And I think that for people who would try to take that away from you, that could be in any sense, as you said, family, friends, whatever, colleagues. I think you probably have a higher sense um, and repel that. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. If, 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 that, if that comes near me and, 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 and those types of things are happening, I do repel it, absolutely. But I also link it to this as well, Mimi, and the fact that, yeah, you're talking about freedom, but it's not personal freedom for myself. It's the freedom to do what I was born to do. I mean, I say yeah. to people that, you know, our life compounds through our purpose, not our possessions. And I see people running around trying to possess everything that they can, and they think there's purpose in their possessions. There isn't. There is no purpose in possessions. Yeah. Zero. <laughs> the, your purpose yeah, comes yeah. from something way bigger than your mm. possessions, right? Because when we ultimately look back, when that day comes and we look back at our life, if our life is filled of possessions, I think we'll be pretty disheartened. But if our life is full of people and people that we've touched along, way, along the way through our purpose, that's what makes a meaningful life to me. And that's why I say that purpose is one of those things, you know, you only find purpose in pursuit of purpose. It's there. Like you've got to be in the pursuit of it. You can't just take someone else's definition of your purpose. You've got to go on a pursuit, a discovery, an excavation. You've got to be an adventurer, an explorer, and go and say, hey, like, you know, let me go and find out what really is the meaning of all of this. Like, where is my, where does my purpose lie? What was I born to do on this planet? What impact was I supposed to make? You know, there's a great quote by Mark Twain that says, the two most important days in your life are the day that you were born and the day that you find out why. Mm. Mm. And that has resonated with me for a long time. The day that I was born and the day that I found out why. And the day that I found out why, I was probably about 15 years old and I read this book called The Magic of Believing by Claude M. Bristol. It's one of the first sort of books on personal development I read. Do you remember the days, Mimi, when you'd go into Waterstones and you'd have a little self-help section Yes. And, and and you didn't want to be seen in that section because that was for the weirdos. Right? <laughs> well, I didn't mind actually. I, I used to think, oh, there's so many books, I'll just have a hundred books. And then you yeah. think, I can't afford a hundred books. And you know, you're young and then you want to read everything and life is interesting, and there's so many things out there, and you think to yourself, How am I ever going to learn all of this? Mm, mm, it's, it's, it, was a, it was a great time though We'd have yeah. some special books there There wouldn't be that many But mm. the, the beauty of it was this Is that you would, you would find those books And you would, you would relish every bit of information in those books you, yeah. would, you would digest all of that Because you knew you couldn't just go and get an ebook these days Or jump on Amazon, uh, Audible Or any, or, you know, have a Kindle The good old days, Imran Yeah, the good old days. yeah. They become valuable, you see And there's a difference now Because you know, I think as a society, we know the price of everything, but the value of nothing. True. And we may have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of books that, but they're just they're just collecting dust on the shelves. There's the wisdom that lives in those books needs to come to life, right? So that yeah. that book for me, the magic of believing by Claude M. Bristol, it was weird because many years later, I end up at a seminar of Tony Robbins, and he mentions the very very same book as one of the first books he ever read. And I thought, wow, like, like this, this can't be made up. I can't, this whole journey cannot just be made up by something, by circumstances, by coincidence. And I think at that point, I started believing in the power that there are never any coincidences. There are no coincidences. Absolutely not. Absolutely no. not. No. Um, I believe that everything um, 
I'm a thousand percent certain of this, Imran, is that everything happens for a reason. And um, we meet people. You know, I really think that we meet people and believe this truly at the, exactly the right moment, at exactly the right time in our life. Mm. It has been ordained on this great tapestry of life. And we weave into each other's lives with this golden thread, I think, of um, humanity, oneness. But it's so much more than that. When, you know, there's something I wanted to come back to is when you were lying down and you were three and you were looking at the sky. And it's one of my favorite things to this day is Mm. every night I have to look at the sky and every day and I look to the sky and I think, is it going to be a good day? Is it not going to be so good? What are the tests of today? Mm. What are the joys of today? And they say that in, you know, in the olden days, that older people used to look at the sky and they would prescribe it because they know looking at the sky reminds us that we are part of infinity. Yes, 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 100%, right? Mm. 1,000% actually. Mm. I mean, you know, I, I do this very often and I still do this today and I think it's probably a way of connection for me. Um, mm. You know, it was interesting because... Growing up, like I was, I was grown up to follow uh, the Islamic faith, right? Mm. And I could feel part of it, but I would never. That wouldn't be the way I would do. It. I wouldn't pray. I would look up at the sky. I would do things that really, uh, where I felt our higher being, a creator, a a mother nature, the universe, whatever you want to call it, is up in the sky. And these days, every time I sort of lose faith in myself. Mm. I do the same thing. I just look up at the sky. Yes. I look up and I say, hey, universe, you know, um, creation, you know, today's going to be a great day or today, thank you for everything you've blessed my life with, right? Yeah. And and we've got to remember as well, it's important to look up at the sky, especially at night. Because, oh, yes. Oh, yeah, because, you know, everything that's up there is inside of us. Everything that we're made up of star stuff, if we don't remember. We have the same elements that create stars in our bodies. Mm. We've got the iron, the phosphorus, the calcium, everything that makes stars um, make us. And the more we realize that we are bigger than we've we've been told we are, we are greater than we've been conditioned to be. We are way more than our current circumstances because we are born and we have inside of us things that, that other that cannot be fathomed by most people. And that is that we have the same abilities. We have the same stuff that makes us that has made the stars. And that Mm. means something. If nothing means anything, that means something. You know, they say, reach for the moons and and you'll land on the stars. Yeah. Even if you land on the stars, you're home. You're home, baby. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And do you know what it is? Actually, I'm fascinated with the sky and this smell and fragrance of the night Mm. because the day is different and the night and I think my goodness you know look at this creation that has been created and we are part of this as you say the stardust is in our veins in our blood in our bones you know in in our heart and soul and when we look to another person 
this is so beautiful what you said, because when you look to another person, I always look for the magic in them. Mm. I look at, you know, I always say this, and this is really the truth. I don't care what you do. I don't care what you've been. It doesn't matter to me. What matters to me is who are you? Who are you really? You know, because you're this magnificent being, you know, there's, um, you probably know this saying, it's a well-known by Hafiz, where he wrote, you know, he was a poet and a mystic. Um, and he said, I wish I could show you, you know, that, that um, poem, how does it go now? Um, I, I wish I could show you when you are alone and in darkness, the magnificent light of your being yeah yeah something like this and I think my goodness you know if only we could be that reflection we are that reflection of each other yeah but we forget yes yes we absolutely forget because um yeah I know know why we forget um and and it's and and it's absolutely absolutely crazy that and this is what you know I'm I'm busy doing now, trying to, and we're doing, Mimi, as 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 the leaders that we are of today. We're busy doing these things, um, and what that is is that this is you got to remember most people's lives now. Most people, we've most people are running on really old software. Most people have been conditioned. Most people have been born to believe they have a mind, and there's nothing beyond the mind. That's it, and. And we've also, and, and there's a, there's again, there's, this is brilliant. This was one of Albert Einstein's. This was brilliant. He said, the intuitive mind is a sacred gift and the rational mind is a faithful servant. We have created a society that honors the servant and has forgotten the gift. Yeah, that's, that's true. Very, that's very true, right? Mm. We've created a society that honors the servant, which is the rational mind. But there is a gift that each and every one of us has inside of us, which is way deeper than the mind. And our society around us, why we get into our problems? Because we're stuck in our head. If you're stuck in your head, you're dead. If, you, if, you, if, you're, if you're too busy thinking through your problems, you're also sinking through your problems because all they're going to bring you is a whole load of anxiety, a whole load of pain sometimes because you're not thinking rationally. You're, you're not thinking through multiple perspectives. You're not analyzing the situation. You're just taking fear from the situation. So when you asked me earlier, how was I able to have faith? it's probably because I didn't have the same fear that other people had because by then I'd gone through so many experiences where I learned to dance with my fear and use fear as fuel, then let fear use me. So those things. That's powerful. That's very powerful. I honestly can't, but I can't, I can't say this enough where, and this is through proven through, through neuroscience as well, where you, you're, if you go into a state of gratitude, you cannot, you cannot feel fearful at the same time. You, the body cannot function both emotions. The moment yeah, yeah. you feel fearful, yeah. if you switch into gratitude instantly by being grateful for something in your life, you will feel an abundance of gratitude inside of you. Mm-hmm. But if you feel fearful and you try and, and you hold on to that emotion, you're not going to feel anything. It's just going to push you down and suppress you. And the energy is going to be downright and, and, and pretty, down, pretty ugly and, vib- and low vibrational. Whereas when you function from faith, and you get and you get rid of fear, and you can never get rid of fear because you can never be fearless. But if you use it as a friend more than as an enemy, 
if you know it's always going to be there beside you, but never let it get in front of you, if you know it's there to protect you and not to stop you, that's where faith gets to lead the way instead of fear. That's excellent. Absolutely excellent advice. And I actually would say, Imran, that that applies to pain as well. Mm. Um, I remember when I was young and, you know, I had a a very serious issue. And um, I remember the um, doctor said to me, you are going to have to make friends with your pain. And I was something like 20. And I remember thinking to myself, he's mad. This is just mad. He doesn't understand, you know, how painful that, you know, this condition is. And I've spoken about it before, but he said, you're going to have to make friends with it. And I said, I can't make friends with it. It's my enemy. He said, actually, it's your friend Mm. because it's going to tell you through life now you've overdone this, Mimi, you shouldn't be doing this. You shouldn't be in that situation. And it's going to be your compass point. Mm. And I remember coming out and getting into the car and crying and crying and crying and being so devastated that I'm, you know, he said, you're going to have this pain for the rest of your life. And then all of a sudden, Imran, I had this feeling that, hold on, you know, it could have been as bad as it was six months ago where I couldn't walk. So actually this gratitude came in, which was far bigger than the pain in that moment. It was this gratitude that I could live again. Yeah. And so I totally agree with you that when we are in this state of gratitude, of being grateful, Because really, I'm not grateful enough, I have to say. Um, I'm sure a lot of people out there are not grateful enough. And if we could just be grateful, you know, spend the day in gratitude, just one day, be grateful. And I think it would show us a completely different way of life. Yeah, I love that. I love that. That is so well put and 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 so succinct with everything we're talking about, which is which is that what gratitude really is mm. at its deepest level. I mean, gratitude, gratitude for me has always played a big part in my life. And I've got to say that gratitude is probably one of the keys to success. It's one of the most important components of success because gratitude will keep you grounded. Gratitude. Yes will keep you aware and in a place where you are functioning and heading towards your purpose. You have and humble a, and humble and humble, well. humble. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It keeps you humble. It keeps you away from ego. Ego tells you everything that you're not an ego, ego, ego allows you to, to try and treat people in very, very different ways because it becomes all about you. And there are an ego driven people are very significant driven people and when we talk about you know maslow's hierarchy of needs or human needs yeah. significance is key on when when there's people uh, that don't use gratitude and they use ego a lot and they they thrive of significance but gratitude however see contribution and growth are 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 two areas that the soul feeds off these are the needs of the soul not the needs of the personality and the needs of the soul 
growth and contribution. That's what lights us up as human beings, right? And the only way you get to grow and contribute is if you're grateful for whatever it is you've been through, for whatever the challenges have been, because I'm grateful for every single one of the things I've explained to you. Because if it wasn't for all the bad that had happened to me, how would I, how could I ever be doing the good that I'm doing today? You know, my the, your your greatest your greatest moments come from your darkest nights. Like they do very very true. They so do, and be, to be grateful for that and go back and like you're talking about pain. You're talking about pain from the past that currently we live through, and we tend to view the future through the lens of the past, and that means that pain hasn't been dealt with. It hasn't been extinguished it hasn't been um it's let out or, or, or expressed through our body and, and spirit but instead when you go back and you look at the pain and you say hey if i can be grateful for you what did you teach me if i can go back and really look at what you did back then what did you actually teach me what did you squeeze me to become what lesson did you give me what blessing ultimately became as a result of you doing that and i go back and i look at my situation whilst you know the racism took place well, who did I become? Or well, well, that squeezed me to become a boxer. That squeezed me to become get into martial arts. Would I have done martial arts otherwise? Probably not. That squeezed me to become a leader. That squeezed me to think differently. That's that all those things cornered me and squeezed me to say, hey, I've got to be someone I'm not to deal with the situation that I'm in. And to do that, that ultimately requires that ultimately requires more of me. And then when you go further in life and look back and you know, you say, okay, if I'm going to blame you for all the bad that you've done, I better blame you for all the good that came out of it as well. And that's what I did. I blamed all the good that came out, all the people I blamed, all the situations that I blamed. I found that if I can take the blessings from the lessons that it was trying to teach me, I would find that that pain had a purpose and that purpose brings me to today. Amazing, actually. And what a lesson in humanity, I think, in that had it not been for those people that bullied you and your family circumstances, you wouldn't be who you are today. And sometimes I think those people, though they did what they did, whoever they were at the time in our life, somehow they sacrificed themselves to lead a treacherous life in order for us to be taught a huge life lesson. I love that. That's interesting. I love that. As many, there's so much depth to what you just said there. Because if it wasn't for them, you know, I, I was bullied um, at school, um, at lower school when I changed schools and I was kicked in the head and it went on for a year and it was torment absolute torment but then I took up martial arts after that as well um and I had this realization actually Imran only the other day um there were these ladies and um they work in one of the oldest professions um of the world and um they're not far from where we live. And I remember looking at them and thinking, what did you actually have to sacrifice as a soul mm. to teach me a lesson? 
for me now to see this, for me to be upset about this, for me to see that you're being used and manipulated, well, they in themselves must have sacrificed something on some level to teach us something. Because with every meeting, with every experience, however treacherous it may be at times, I think the one that has done us wrong, in fact, ultimately mm. elevates us. Yes. That's beautiful. That's you know, it's amazing, isn't it, Mimi? You've got to, you've got to, you've got to go through the pain to come mm-hmm. out on the other side to really look at the purpose of the pain. Like you don't yeah. do that whilst you're in it, but you've got to go through it to come out the other side. But the lessons and what they teach you ultimately um, become blessings in the end. And I know sometimes it's difficult to say, and I know many people that are probably listening will be like, well. How, does, how do you convert pain? How do you take a life like that and say that was a blessing? Well, it is. It is because I'm, I'm standing here telling you it is, right? That pain mm. has taught me so much. That pain has been my, my worst enemy at times, but also my best friend. That pain has been like a guide to, to, to push me down, but also eventually teach me a lesson and pull me back up, right? So all of those things happen. And, and as you said, I think it's a... It's a way of, you know, those situations that happen in school. I think that's ultimately mm-hmm. someone else also sacrificing a part of them in order for you to feel the way you feel. Yeah, because I think we, I believe that we choose how to come to this earth. I think we, you know, you were saying about the very famous saying of, Um, the soul having the human experience and Mm -hmm. that's absolutely correct and we chose to come in this form at this time each and every one of us and we may not remember but we must have chosen we must have at some point in our eternal life let's put it that way I don't even know how else to put it in our journey through eternity Mm -hmm. We must have chosen this at this stage in our life. It's not accidental. And what is that, you know, the alchemist that can turn base metals into gold? Mm. What is it that made you, for example, Imran, turn your life from the base metals of life to gold? What is that secret ingredient? You know, you know, people asked me yesterday and I had to do a talk yesterday and they were talking about, you know, what, what makes, what makes you unstoppable? They're asking me, what makes you unstoppable? They were interested. And I said, I said, I said to them that what makes me unstoppable is the fact that I had to go through so much pain whilst I was younger. And I don't want anyone else to do go through the same sort of stuff that I went through. What makes me unstoppable is looking at, younger children and looking them in the eyes and knowing that they could be in better situations if they're going through pain. What makes me unstoppable is realizing that all of that stuff had led me to today. And my purpose was driven from all of that pain that as a combination came together and created this purpose that said, hey, 
this was your real reason for this life, for these lessons, for these experiences. You know, what makes me unstoppable now is a faith in myself, knowing that that has been with me my entire life, my guide. And going through all of those, all of those experiences, knowing that there's a bigger message and there's a bigger journey beyond this. Like we have many lifetimes to live, I believe. Mm. And we've got to be sensible in each one of those lifetimes in expressing ourselves. Because I think each, each lifetime, each chapter, each season, <laughs> it teaches you a whole host of lessons. And I think it's just having that importance to know that you are a spiritual being having a human experience and, and really value your, your spirituality, value your soul. Like we get stuck in the mind so often, but the moment you take yourself down to the soul, the soul knows the truth, mm. the truth of everything the soul is aware of. You try and coach someone through their mind and leave it at the mind. <laughs> You're not going to get the answers you want. You get to the core of the truth that comes from the soul. And that comes from switching the brain off sometimes to say enough of that. <laughs> the soul is the source. So the source is always with you. And that's why for me is no matter what happens for the rest of this journey, no, no matter what happens after this journey, when I leave this place and move on to another sunny upland somewhere, I know that my soul is my source and my soul will always be there to protect me, to teach me, to learn from, to, to, to believe in something bigger than myself, believe in something bigger than my circumstances. So that really all of those experiences you know, being where I am today, doing the things I do today, it was born from pain, but it was expressed through spirit and soul. Mm. And it was really redefined through a number of years of unraveling all of that stuff and getting down to the core of everything. And when you get down to the core of everything, you know that it is the source of where it all begins. And that's where I felt my journey had taken a, 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 a huge step and I started believing that if things happen now, I know it's part of the journey. Like, I know it's coming. Something else is coming. Another adversity is about to happen in my life. I know that. But you know what? I don't, that doesn't deter me. That doesn't stop me. That gives me fuel to say, hey, right, if I've got to meet you head on, I will. That means I need to be a, big, that means I need to be a bigger person than I am today. Or I need to access more resources inside of me than I have today. But that comes with, that comes with a, an amount of, a, a, a real, real blessing to be able to change the meaning of any adversity or any storm that comes in my path. Because I know you're coming, but I also know I can see through you. I know I'll also deal with you and you want to challenge me. You've got to be bigger than all of my experiences to challenge me because that shit didn't challenge me. So now, now how big are you really? And is it something that you know that is coming for definite? Or is it something that you um, anticipate because that is life, that adversity arrives? I think I, think I, I, I anticipate it, but Ooh. as life has gone, I also know it sometimes. The, more, the, the higher you try and go, the more you try and achieve, the more adversity will come in your path. The more mm. people will put you down, the more labels you'll be given, the more descriptions, the more people will ridicule you, open, especially in the society we live in today. Mm-hmm. And and that's cool. I'm ready. I'm prepared for that. But hey, I ain't here for me. I'm here for you. I ain't here to worry about what they're going to say about me. As long as my message gets to you, that's all I care about. This ain't about me. The message is bigger than the man. 
the mission's bigger than the man. So this isn't about me. It's about you. And the, when I make it about you, I stop caring about me. And I know that if I can get through whatever happens to me, I get to serve you uh, at such a, such a deeper level, at such a, uh, a wider level. And that's what really, really holds me there. That's what really keeps me grounded. You know, we talk about being grounded and being, mm. having a sense of certainty about who you are. Mm-hmm. That's what keeps me grounded. All of that stuff keeps me grounded. Just knowing that you better, if you're going to come, if you're going to come and you want to fight through this, you better be prepared because I'm willing to die to, to make this work, yeah. right? I'm willing, to, I'm willing to give up every ounce of my being to see through you. So if you're going to come, you better come with some, you know, some, some heavy artillery, some big <laughs> ammunition, because you ain't going to beat me down. Nothing, nothing has and nothing ever will. I love that. I love the um, heart of a warrior. That is something that's very rare these days because most people um, are afraid. And I think they're mostly afraid of themselves Mm. because Mm. their infinite power is something beyond words, beyond their own imaginations. And I think if you can, Imran, influence people in that way to find that power to unleash that power Mm. it's a tremendous responsibility but what a tremendous work it is it is it's 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 so meaningful and purposeful Mm. i can't tell you the joy i get from seeing people that are struggling you know i do so many events i do i do so many tony robbins events as well as in i'm a trainer for tony so i end up doing a lot of a lot of Tony's uh, events as well. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, I'm doing an event with, uh, it's called the Global Youth Leadership Summit in two months time. And it's, you know, it's children that are in pain that are taking counseling right now. And this is an event that is designed to put them back to who they were to, meant to be in the first place, you know? And mm-hmm. I, say, I say to people, maybe the journey is not about becoming anything. Maybe the journey is more about unbecoming everything that we are in order to become everything that we were meant to be in the first place. hundred right? percent. Yeah. Just, it's just, the, it's mm. just, you know, the, when I serve people and I see people and I see people, you know, reaching from way more, way more, not having, not having gratitude for where they are. I say, are you sure you want to be someone else or are you being yourself through this? As long as you're being yourself, I'm cool. But when I see kids and when I, when I, when I coach kids and when I see kids and when I do workshops, that gives me one of the greatest joys because they're the leaders of our future. And for them to uh, go back into their history and their past and go and untangle themselves from the chains that have shackled them and kept them there for so long, that, that there couldn't be any bigger joy. I couldn't do any, there couldn't be any better job in the world than, being, than doing that, than, than liberating people from the lies that have limited them for so long. That's what, what a noble cause. What mm. an absolutely noble cause, Imran. And really, the work that you do and everything that you stand for is really awe-inspiring, I have to say to you. Oh, that's 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 beautiful, Mimi. And and you know, people like people like you and people like us, shall I say, there's us. We do this because we give a shit. We could do this because we care. We do this because our spirit won't let us rest, right? We do this not for money. We do this not for power, not for adoration, not for admiration. 
We do this because our spirit tells us there's something greater. There's a reason much greater than ourselves. And that's what gives us the greatest joy in what we do for others. And, you know, we're, we're, we are essentially, by the work that we're doing, we are, you know, there, there's, a, there's, a, there's this great story, and this is us, right? There's this great story about this kid. He comes across the beach, and he sees that loads of starfish have been washed, up, washed along the shore. Mm. And, and he looks at these, and his auntie's with him, and he's, he's looking at them and saying, hey, can we do something? And she's like, no, well, what are you going to do? How are you going to do something? The tide's, you know, gone in. What are you going to do? And he said, no, we've got to find a way. They're going to die. They're going to die. They're going to die. And he then picks up one starfish and then he slings it into the ocean. And his auntie says, hey, you can try all day, but you're never going to save them all. And he said, here you go. I just saved one. And then he slings another one. He says, it just saved two. And he does another one, just saved three. And he just, he, he spends hours, just one at a time, saving every single starfish. And that's what we're doing. We're throwing those starfish back into the ocean to say, hey, listen, if you gave up on life, don't do it yet. Because life ain't given up on you and nor we. So there is a bigger purpose for what we do. And it's not just to change people's thinking. Sometimes it's to save people's lives. And there couldn't be a greater, greater joy and a greater, greater reason to exist and live than that. That's how I feel. Yeah, I agree with you totally. What a beautiful story. And it's true. We're sort of all starfish on the beach, aren't we? Mm. Um, Longing to be part of that union in that ocean of oneness. I think this is the craving of all of us and the yearning of all of us, in fact, um, I love that saying by Oscar Wilde, um, Imran, you know, we're all in the gutter, but some of us are looking at the stars. Yes, yes, absolutely. absolutely. And I feel that I'm not standing or sitting on any high horse or any pedestal. I'm actually there in the gutter, but my eyes are firmly on the stars. And mm. I want to show people that, you know, life is worth living. Keep your eyes focused on the heavens above, because ultimately, as you said, we are all part of that wonderful stardust. Yes, yes, 100%. Um, It's amazing. I love what you say. Um, I love the effervescence of your spirit and how you encourage people to live this life, to actually live not just to exist, mm. but to live and find purpose. And I think it's a remarkable and honorable job. That's uh that's that's beautiful, Mimi. I mean, you know what? It's it's the only thing I'd I'd I'll I'll do now. I've I've spent time in doing the things that I don't like to do. I've spent time in doing the things that one meant for me. And it ultimately brought me to this place because I've had jobs in all sorts of places, but we need another podcast for that, right? Yeah, come again. <laughs> I was thinking that actually. I thought we haven't even delved into your Bollywood career oh, or your bloody. dancing career or your acting career. Oh, wow. Um, but you've got to come back, Imran. Yes, Please yes. do come back because I've got to hear all about that. And the listeners have to hear all about that. And um, it, I could listen for hours on end at your stories because they're so real. And as you said, 
if it comes from the soul, then it really touches another person's soul. And that's the most important thing is that we actually are able to connect with each other on a far deeper level than our mind could ever envisage. Mm. Yes. Yes, we so much deeper than we could ever imagine. So mm. much. And that's why that's why I'm happy to um, we're definitely happy to go through all of that and go through the rest of what we need to. Um, but again, it's it's it is really it, re- it is really coming back to what you said earlier, which is, you know, this is the reason we do what we do. We do it because you know wherever there is a human being, there's an opportunity for kindness, for change, for transformation, for some level of service. Right, there always yeah. is, and that's what we've got to keep an eye on: the fact that humanity is in trouble, and it is there's 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 only a handful of us that are there to do the right thing, and we want to get an army of people to do the right thing. You know, there's this great, this again another great quote, and this one's by Bob Marley, right? And this is an experience he had. So Bob Marley, again another another inspiration, uh, another mm. role model for me in my life, and he once he once was supposed to speak at a peace rally. And he was shot two days before he spoke. He was supposed to speak at a peace rally and sing, shall I say, he was supposed to sing, sing at that rally and, and get people involved. And it was supposed to be about creating peace. And he was shot two days before. And he was in the hospital. And on the day of the rally, obviously people expect him not to be there because he's been shot. The day of the rally, he turns up the concert. He t- turns up to this peace concert. And he stands there and he sings his heart out for two to three songs and you can tell he's been shot he's wounded and they asked him why why he's there when he's wounded and he said hey the people that are making this world a worse place are not taking a day off so how can i oh wow that was it in one line that's it in one line yeah yeah beautiful beautiful absolutely beautiful and um wow my goodness there's a lot to think about. I, I want to thank you, Imran, truly for being so open and so honest in sharing what is an incredibly difficult story. And it's your life story. But, you know, I'm very honored that you have given us this time that we can share it with the world, in effect. And hopefully touch people's hearts and souls in a profound way and to show people that it doesn't matter what circumstances you're in Mm. there is always hope and there are always better days we just can't ever lose that faith within us yeah, one hundred percent, and it goes goes back to you as well, Mimi, the person that you are, the the amazing soul that you are, the the way you reach out, the way you've even the way you've guided this conversation, it just shows how much spirit and soul you've got in you, and how much service that comes from you. I don't need to know you for years. I can I I can sense people's natures very early on, just so just like you can, and I know this that. People that are listening, that are, what, that are listening to your podcasts, that are listening to anything that you do or reading it, it's super inspiring. And it's and you're you're a change maker. You're a change creator. You're inspiring people. You're leading the way. 
and that's that's huge, Mimi. So thank you, first of all, and 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 for just just being there and and opening this space, even even for me to tell my story in in a particular way and giving me the freedom to do so. And for the people that are listening, you're absolutely right. You know, nothing in this world is permanent, not even our troubles, right? Not even yeah. our troubles. And most of us think that our troubles are going to be permanent forever. And if we take away our troubles, we're, we're left with more of us. We're left with accessing more of who we are. And there are, there are way, way better things ahead than anything we leave behind. That's just life, right? And, and I, say, I say this to people all the time. I say, hey, your life doesn't get better by changing it. But it, it, your life does not get better by chance. It gets better by change. And that's the truth, that the moment we start shifting into more who we are and start thinking from a different perspective, life changes instantly. And it takes one thing. That's all. That's all it takes sometimes, just one thing. But I, but I want to thank you, Mimi, because you've been, a, you've been great in this session. But also, you've, you've led from the front, but you've also led from your heart, which, uh, which says a lot about you. So I thank you for everything that you do as well. Oh, thank you, Imran. That's very kind of you and very sweet. And it's really appreciated. It's um it's sort of it's a nice feeling um to hear such genuine words. It really is. And I thank you really. And please do come back, but come back and share about your Bollywood lifestyle. I have to know. <laughs> And what yeah. is that actor? Um, tell me if you've met him. I have to. This is my Bollywood thing now. Yeah. Um, what's his name now? I, I can never say it. Is it Amitabh Bachchan? Yes. Ah, uh, yes, yes. Yeah, <laughs> met him plenty. I used to. Yeah, I used to meet him quite regularly. Did so, you? Oh, beautiful man. I used to meet him. The, I used to meet. I used to go to the JW Marriott Hotel in Mumbai, uh-huh. and he would be there every morning with his guards working out. Right, 6 a.m. He'd be there working out with his guards. Mm-hmm. And you can imagine he's, you know, a particular age. No one else will be working out, even youngsters will be mm-hmm. working out. He would. Uh, but yeah, I met him a number of times. Met many other actors as well and and uh, got so many stories to t- tell you about it. Oh, so. you must come back. I have I have so many questions. And what is that? Um, you will know this. Um, I'm not going to say it pr- properly now, but you will know. Um, Kalhonaha. Oh, Kalhona Hall, yeah. Yeah, yes, movie. yes. Oh, movie. I love that film and I love that song. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's so sad. sad. It's sad, it's sad. It teaches you a lot, though, about life. It's a, it's a beautiful movie um, to do with life as well. Yeah, uh, but is uh, it the Tomorrow act- May Never Come? Is that the, is that the That's right. translation? Tomorrow, tomorrow might, might or might not happen. Yes. So live for today. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, beautiful, yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Now, before you go, Imran, where can people get hold of you? Where can people find out more about your work? So, okay, great. So you, I mean, people can connect with me, Imran Ahmed, on Facebook or on Instagram, imran.a underscore official. That's my uh, Instagram handle. They can catch me on successpsychology.com or I am hyphen Imran. So they uh, there are a number of different areas you can you can catch me. Social media is probably the easiest. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, that's where I am. Beautiful. Wow. And do you know what I'm going to do now? I am going to go and look at the sky, Imran. Good. And 
I'm always fascinated that here we are looking at the same moon. The yes. whole planet is looking at the same moon. Yes. Beautiful. Beautiful. I'm going to be looking at and we're going to be connecting. I'll be looking at the moon too. All right. Ah, there you go. There you go. And don't <laughs> forget the stars. Yes. Um, did you know, just very quickly, I have to say, mm. did you know that when we are born, a star is born? I have heard this. I have heard this. I've, I've, it's fascinating, but I've, yes. I've never I've never looked into it, but I have heard this many mm. times. Mm. Yeah. That when we are born, a star is born, which is our own star. And then when somebody dies, the mm. star disappears. Wow. So this goes back to your very beautiful story that we are all stardust. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. Amazing. Thank you, Imran. I wish you all the very best in life. Keep illuminating all those souls. And um, you're doing a fantastic job. Absolutely fantastic. And the world, the earth needs more people like you. And I hope that you come back again. Yes, 100%. That was beautiful. Thank you, Mimi. I, I, I will be back. That's for sure. 100%. I want to finish the, I want to close the loop on this story and yes. we will definitely do this. And thank you for your beautiful world, words, Mimi. Um, it's someone, you know, when you recognize something inside someone else, you've got to recognize it's already inside of you in order for you to recognize. So oh. what you see in others is already in you. And you, my love, you are a, you know, the inspiration, the depth to what you've where you've what you've studied what you've been through what you've experienced the depth of it is is more of what the world needs we need more people like you you're telling me i'm telling you we need more people like you right we need <clears throat> we need people to wake people up and say hey listen there's a there's a there's a there's more to life than life like you've got to breathe life into life life is inside of you we work from most people work from the outside in you know, this is about working from the inside out. That's where true, true success and fulfillment is. That's like inner riches. And, I'm, and I'm, I'm so grateful that someone like you is able to give those words of wisdom to your listeners, but also so many people that come across you, your way and look to you as a leader, as someone who is going to guide them, but someone that's, that's just spiritually connected to so many things that doesn't just work on the mind but works way beyond that in a different realm so i love that and i and i love uh, the just the person that you really really are at the core and i feel it so thank you thank you so much and super grateful for knowing you now and continuing this journey with you mimi and likewise and i am very humbled imran by what you say and truly we are divine mirrors of each other mm. Mm. Wow. Yes. I'm going to yeah. write that one down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> I wish you a beautiful evening. What is oh. left of it? Yeah. And um, I hope you get some moments tonight to go out there and do a little bit of stargazing. I will. I will. Oh, take care, Imran. Beautiful. Thank you okay. so much, Mimi. And you. Thank you. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Imran Ahmed, what an incredible story, really. Thank you, as always, for joining me and my truly wonderful guests. And don't forget to live your life 
to the fullest. Until next time, look after yourselves and above all, love with all your heart. Take care. Thank you for listening to Secrets for an Inspirational Life, brought to you by your host, Mimi Novik. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast and see you in the next episode. For more information about Mimi Novik and her books, music and inspirational work, take a look at her website, www.miminovic.co.uk.